0: He is heralded as a king. Palm branches are waving. Shouts of Hosanna ring throughout the streets. The Messiah has come. And the joy just, it floods over into the streets of the holy city. And yet, much happened between this beautiful, glorious Palm Sunday and the dark Friday where we reenter the gospel story. Jesus has been betrayed by one of his own in this week. He's been arrested, and now it's morning on Friday, and the Roman governor, Pilate, is sentencing him. And we read in John chapter 19, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe. And they went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified.
1: Make another one, they said. Make it in a hurry. Gotta have it today, they said. He goes up with two thieves from Hebron. I don't know why you guys are here this morning, but I'll tell you why I'm here. To build another one of these stinking, bloody crosses for these Roman barbarians, these savages. And I know some of you have been there, and they've crucified some of these criminals before. The screams from those men... As they drive the nails into their flesh, first their hands. feet I've been doing this stinking job for a long time now and you would think you would think I would get used to it but I haven't I haven't I still wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat from the nightmares Death on a cross. It is ugly. It is bloody. It is pure living hell, if you ask me. Cold blooded murder. It is funny how they justify the murder of one by murdering another. Roman barbarians. Savages. A hundred lifetime sentences in one of their smelly dungeons would be better than, than this torture. I've been building these Roman death trees for some three decades now. The crucifixion. What an idea. I swear, I swear by Julius Caesar, there ain't a worse way to die. And now... They're going to nail Jesus to this cross. Jesus. They call this man Jesus. Everything's been different since he came on the scene some two, maybe three years ago. And now they're nailing him to a Roman cross. And even this, even this has to be different. Jesus. I will never forget the look on my sister's face when she came back from here and Jesus speak, When she came back from meeting Jesus, I will never forget that look on her face. It was up around the Sea of Galilee, a two-day, three-day journey north of here. She came back, and she was different. She was changed. And she said, my sister said, Jesus spoke, he spoke the truth. And he spoke it with authority, like he really knew what he was talking about. Shmika, the Hebrews would call that word. Not like he spoke, like he really, really knew what he was talking about. Not like some of the religious folks around here. And the day my sister heard Jesus speak, the crowds, they were huge. Hundreds of people around Jesus, crowding around Jesus. And my sister, she was way in the back. My sister said it was as if Jesus was speaking to her and to her alone. All the people disappeared. And it was as if Jesus was looking into her eyes, into her heart, could see into her soul. My sister She didn't see any miracles that day, but she heard the crowd speak of them. And she has not stopped talking about them. And I heard the stories, too. There was one time they were out in the middle of nowhere, some 5,000-plus people. They had a basket full of food, no food to be found. And Jesus took that basket and blessed it, and somehow they fed those 5,000 full bellies. And then there was a man who was paralyzed since birth, couldn't walk. And Jesus said, get up, get up. Take up your mat and walk. And he walks. And then there was a time a man was, was blind, and Jesus made some mud, put it into his eyes, and said, go wash at the Pool of Siloam. And he did, and the man could see. But my favorite story, Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee on a boat with some of his men, and this horrific storm comes up. Out of nowhere comes up, wind and waves and rain. And the men, are these fishermen, are, they're scared for their lives. They're terrified the boat's going to capsize. And Jesus gets up in the middle of the storm and speaks to the storm, he tells the storm to be still. And it goes from total chaos to dead calm. And there were other stories. But the thing I can't get out of my mind's eye is how my sister was changed. She was different. Somehow she had found a reason to live, a purpose. She found hope. He would have thought she had looked into the face of God. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Claiming to be God. Some people say that Jesus is God or the Son of God. The Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. I yearn. I yearn for a God. I long for a God. I've got a hole in the size of my heart, the size of a mountain. Maybe that God could fill it. But what kind of God, what kind of God could love a scum of the earth, a lower than low, bottom feeder, cross builder like me? I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Hebrew. But I've watched them since I was a little boy. I've watched them and I've grown to admire them. And they believe in a God. And not just a God, they believe in one God. And they believe that that God is central to their lives and their homes and their families and their culture. And they believe that their God is righteous, filled with goodness and mercy, and mostly love. And that their God is holy and set apart. And they believe that perfect blood must be shed for the forgiveness of, of their sins be made right with their God. Perfect blood must be shed for the forgiveness of their sins. Every year, around this time, this week in fact, Jews from all over the land come to this city, Jerusalem, and they bring with them their perfect, most unblemished, spotless lambs, and they come to the walls of the city. And they come through those gates, carrying those perfect, unblemished, spotless lambs. And they carry those lambs through the streets. And they bring those lambs, those perfect, unblemished, spotless lambs. And they present them at the temple to the high priest. And the high priest inspects those lambs. And if he finds those lambs to be perfect and unblemished and spotless, he'll sacrifice those lambs. And they believe, the Jews believe, that that blood, that blood from the lambs will cleanse their sins, will wash away their sins for an entire year. Now, Jesus, he claims to be the human lamb of God. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, he claims to be the human lamb of God. He claims that he must go on this cross and that his blood will be shed for us for the forgiveness of sins, not just for a year, but forever. Do I believe that? Do I believe that? I don't know. But I want to. Because if it's not true, and there is a God, I'm going straight to hell. But if what Jesus says is true, if what Jesus claims that he is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, maybe there's hope. Maybe there's hope for a scum of the earth, outcast of outcasts, broken, can't get it right, one step forward, three steps back, broken cross builder. Maybe there's hope for the likes of me. Let me tell you one thing. Please don't make fun of me. and Don't you laugh at me. And don't you tell anyone I've told you this because they'll crucify me for spreading these lies. But I've heard Jesus say this. That he must be crucified at the hands of the high priests and the scribes and the teachers of the law. Jesus must die. And here's where the story gets crazy. Jesus claims that on the third day, he will rise again. That after three days of being deader than dead, he will come back to life. Jesus says the grave, the tomb will not hold him. Mark my words, when Jesus comes off that cross, he will be dead. And they'll take his lifeless body and they'll put it in a tomb and they'll seal that tomb with a large stone and they'll put across that tomb a Roman seal that no man can break and a Roman soldier will guard that seal with their lives. Yet Jesus says the tomb will not hold him. The grave will not hold him. I've been doing this stinking job for 30 plus years now. Nobody survives the Roman cross. Nobody. I've seen hundreds of criminals crucified on a cross like that. And the same thing happens. It is slow. It is brutal. It is torturous. But it is sure death. And they'll take Jesus' lifeless body off that cross. And according to Roman law, there'll be two coroners that will examine Jesus' body. And they will sign the death certificate. And according to Roman law, if they make a mistake, they will be crucified upside down No, mark my word, when Jesus comes off that cross, he will be dead. And that'll be today, tonight, Friday, and then there'll be Saturday, and then come Sunday. And if Jesus, what Jesus says is not true, if this is just a made-up story, a fairy tale, a legend, the story and the stories of Jesus, they'll be forgotten. Two, three years, maybe five, ten years at the most, this Jesus will be forgotten. But if it's true, if what Jesus claims is true, that he is the Lamb of God, that he will take away the sins of the world and the grave will not hold him, this changes everything and this will be a day the world will never forget. Come Sunday, I'm coming back here. Because I need that hope that Jesus gives us. I need some of that hope. I need to see it with my own eyes. I need to see it with my heart. I'm coming back. I'm coming back Sunday. Maybe I'll see some of you guys there too.
0: This week we celebrate... Churches all across the country, all across the world, celebrate what we call Holy Week. I think it's important for us to recognize it certainly wasn't a happy week, but it was a holy week. You ever thought about why we call it Good Friday? It sure doesn't seem like there was anything good about that dark day. Jesus endured more pain and suffering than we'll know in our lifetime. He was nailed to this cross and he gave his life for what scripture calls the joy that was set before him. That's you. For you, Jesus said, I'll walk that road. So, Good Friday sure wasn't good in a lot of terms, but it was a godly Friday. Because it was on that day that Jesus set us free from our imperfection. Anybody else out here imperfect? I can't change that. I can't change it. No matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, no matter how many times I start over, I can't change that. But Jesus set me free from it because he took all of my mistakes, all of my imperfection, and he nailed it on the cross. So when you call it Good Friday, it was good for you and me. Because it set us free. And that's what we celebrate this week, <clears throat> Holy Week. This day that we, we celebrate today, Palm Sunday, and this, this beautiful, joy-filled celebration of the King, <laughs> the Messiah, the one that, that people shouted Hosanna to and they were singing and waving the palm branches. and That same group of people we're in the crowd just a few days later shouting, crucify. And think of all that changed. The celebration that, that Jesus had with his disciples of sitting at a table. We call it Monday Thursday, the, the, the institution of the Lord's Supper. They were celebrating Passover together. And Jesus talks about what laid in front of him. And from that table, Jesus gets up and he goes and he prays and and then he's betrayed. <clears throat> and then he's imprisoned. And he's beaten and he's abused. And ultimately he's crucified on a cross. And that's that's the holy week that we celebrate. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I certainly think that the word Holy is very appropriate for this week. Not happy, but very holy. If it were not for this week that we celebrate our life, we would still be stuck in imperfection that keeps us from God, that keeps us from real joy and peace in this life, and keeps us from eternity with our Creator. We'd still be stuck in that. And so this is what we celebrate. And today is really a, a healthy perspective for us. To be able to walk out of here, listen, heads held high, joy in your heart saying, because of what Jesus did, my life is different. My life is, fi- is, is free. It's filled with joy. Like this is what life was supposed to be about when God created me. Because of what Jesus did, I can live that life. We can can celebrate, but we always carry with us this reminder of the cost. See, what's, what's beautiful, what's so beautiful about this is that you and I didn't pay for it. The life that we live, we didn't pay for Jesus did. And that's what we get to celebrate. This morning, if you're with us, and you've never said yes to what Jesus did on a cross, you've never said yes to him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's a short but significant prayer. It's a commitment that you're making. It's really an acknowledgement of saying, Jesus, I recognize what you did. And I recognize that you did it for me. And I want that. I want what you purchased. I want that life. So this morning, if that's you, if you're with us today, I'm just going to ask if every head would be bowed and every eye closed today. This is a a commitment that you make between you and the Lord. This is a personal commitment. If that's you today and you, you would like to say yes, Jesus, I want to invite you to just pray this simple prayer with me. You can say, Jesus, I thank you for your great love for me. A love that is so strong that it led you to die on a cross for my sin. But Lord, I also celebrate the fact that you didn't stay dead. This cross could not hold you, and the grave could not keep you down because you rose from the dead. And when you did that, Jesus, you brought me new life. And I say yes to that new life today. I ask that you would forgive me of my sin, that you would come inside and you would would be my Lord, you would be my Savior from this day forward. And I can pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, make no mistake about it, it's the most significant decision that you'll ever make in life. It's the most transformational thing. It's the most joy-filled thing. It's the most celebrated thing. And we want to be able to celebrate with you as your church family. So I'd I'd just like to ask you to do me a favor today. We want to know. When you make these decisions, we want to know because we want to be your community. We want to be your church. We want to be your family. And so I'd like to ask you to do me a a favor today. The connection card that you received, on the back side of it, there's a box that says yes. Yes, yes. I said yes to Jesus today. If you would take just a moment and check that box. At the end of our service, in just a few moments, we're going to have some prayer teams up here. And our prayer teams are here because of of one thing. We believe that God is bigger than anything that you will ever face in this world. So no matter where you're at right now, no matter what's going on in your life, if you have any prayer needs, we would love to be able to, to pray with you today. And here's what I'd like to ask, okay? When we're finished with our service today, and these prayer partners are up here, if you check this card, if you check this yes card, please take that card to one of our prayer teams. Share it with them. Let them know the decision that you made today so they can pray with you right now and so that we can be with you as a church family and support you in that decision. Would you guys take a moment and congratulate those who made that decision today? Hey, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap up the this, this sermon part of this this, this, this word from God's word planted in your heart. And what I'd like to do today is I'd like to bridge our, our sermon to our time of communion. Because every week we remember this. We don't always take the time to process all of it, but today we sure have. But it's what we celebrate On that night that Jesus was betrayed, scripture says that he took this bread and he was pointing to this cross and people didn't know it yet, the disciples didn't see it yet, but he took this bread, he passed it around and and he said, this is my body, it's going to hang on a cross. This This is my body, it's broken for you take and eat this in remembrance of me and then he took a cup celebrating Passover with his disciples but he changed the terms because what he said changed everything he said this is a cup of my blood, a blood that's going to be shed on a cross but it's it's a blood it's a cup that begins a new covenant new agreement. This is a new deal. No longer is perfection expected because I have fulfilled that now. But now this is a a cup of grace. It's a brand new covenant. And he passed it around and he said, drink of this. And as often as you do, remember what I've done. This is communion. This is what we celebrate on a weekly basis. This is the big picture of it. And this morning, I'd like to invite you to participate with us. If you're here today and you're a believer of Jesus Christ, that's the only prerequisite that Scripture gives us. Those who have placed their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you're invited to participate. In a moment, I'm just going gonna, gonna to pray, and we're going to invite you to come forward and receive the, the bread and the cup, and if you're needing some gluten-free elements, I totally understand we have some gluten-free on each side up here of, of the communion table. But I want to ask you guys if you would pray with me this one final prayer. It's a prayer where we're going to be able to not just reflect on what the, the sermon was about, but recognizing that it it really comes full circle and it connects back to what we're doing in communion, recognizing the price that Jesus paid so that you and I could have this eternal life. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for a celebration of who you are and what you've done. And God, in our hearts and with our words, we honor you. We say thank you for doing what we could never do on our own. Thank you for setting us free from this requirement of perfection. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins, wiping the slate completely clean and giving us a new life. And God, we recognize, we acknowledge your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed for us. And we say thank you. And it's in Christ's name that we can pray these things. And all God's people said, amen. Would you?